0: Bad boy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You've tuned in live to the flyest sports and entertainment podcast in all the land. This is Stat Lines Matter. I'm your host, Mark Stewart. And like always, I ask you quickly to like, subscribe, and get the notifications on our YouTube channel. We're at Stat Lines Matter across all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, fan base, all of that, and Facebook. And most importantly, go get our podcast anywhere you get podcasts which is Apple Music or Spotify or any other places. I am here with my partner in crime, as always, Mr. Rob Hunter Jr. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing excellent. Listen, we have a lot to cover today. So let's let's get into uh, one of the things I want to cover quickly before we get into our football discussion, because we are football season, so a lot of that dominates. Um, what's going around the Internet, I guess it's kind of gone viral, is a couple of videos of young youth basketball players at tournaments. And I've seen a couple of different ones at this point of young guys sort of, act, to me, acting like the the big version of them, the NBA guys uh, with trash talking and a lot of disrespect of the opponent um, from kids as young as look looked like 10 and under. And then I saw another kid who was maybe like fourteen, like bounce a ball off a guy's head in game action, and the question that I have for you and for our audience: Are we losing sportsmanship in youth sports, uh, and, and 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 should it be there? I, I saw one kid jawjacking with a either a parent or a coach, but they were in the stands, they weren't on the sidelines, and I'm like, the kid could have been on board at thirteen. I'm like, why are you talking to anyone in the stands? But we're we're in this place, and because you're kind of part of that world, I wanted to get your take on it. On are we losing sportsmanship in in use use sports, and does it should we value it at all? Um, well,
1: I, all I can speak for is my experience. Did you see the viral videos? Um, I saw the one that you sent me. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any of the other ones. Um, that's
0: that's specifically what I'm referring to. What was your take on that before you get into what your experience is?
1: It's been it's been well, my take on it was is, is going to be within the context of my experience. And basically those kids um, outside of, you know, anything physical happening. But normally those kids who have that kind of energy are the kids who generally are moving up the ranks. Uh, smack talk is something that's very common from what I see um, in the in the gyms, particularly at the and I've and I've started out in the suburban lane, which there's basically hardly any, but the more competitive you get, that stuff gets ratcheted up some. And, you know, normally it ends in, you know, all in good fun as or, or, you know, they, you know, after the smack talk is over, you know, they shake hands and they, and they leave, but you have, you find that the kids who uh, have a, have a more of a sense of uh, self or that dog, you see that they're the ones who are generally either meeting that, that energy and beating that energy. So um, speaking from someone who's just basically seen uh, what the better teams look like, they generally have that, those, those smoky attitudes. They don't, they don't back down from it. They bring the smoke and they normally end up the better teams. They normally end up being the players that are ranked. Um, not that you can't do it another way, but I'm just saying
0: based off of what I've seen. Um, You said good fun. If your son plays, if he's d up a guy and a guy bounces the ball off his forehead, is that good fun? He better – I mean, well – Is it good fun in terms of how your son would respond and how you would want your son to respond? Is it just like, hey, bounce the ball off my head is good fun? I think that's more of a
1: rhetorical question.
0: But I think Well, that, I'm asking because you said most of it ends and it's looked at as good fun. I'm saying, is that good fun? So if that if – that, if my son – is, is that a, poor If my son ain't playing
1: good enough defense to defend somebody bouncing the ball off his head, that's on him.
0: Right, but what I'm saying is, what's your expectation
1: of what his response should be? She better lock him down. He better. He, I mean, I mean, tight, tight defense after that.
0: Okay, game on. So the him bouncing a ball off your son's head—that's just part of the game, in your view. Oh, that's not out of bounds. I, I think that I think that
1: my son better play better defense. Period.
0: So, no, but I'm talking about the action. He's playing defense. He's in the defensive stand. So the if, guy's not gone anywhere. He just bounced the ball. Then, off his then,
1: head. then his defense ain't good enough. If you feel comfortable enough. To bounce a ball off another player's head, then he ain't playing good so, enough. So, in your view, it's just part of the game. No, it's not part of the game. You better play better defense. Obviously, you're not doing something enough to to
0: garner his respect, where he is not willing to do that. But you do realize, and I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm going for here is, we all watch basketball. We watch it at the pro level. We watch it at the college level. I've never seen anybody in game action. Bounce a ball up at somebody's head, and neither have I. It's not so, part of the game.
1: So I think that's probably more of an aberration. I think that maybe if we start, well, we seeing see it it, in the street, yeah, because that street ball is right, entertainment. This we, was I mean, in, we see a
0: lot of things with the Harlem Globetrotters, right? All of those, but I mean, this you was this was now. I I don't think this kid was even 13 or 14 years old, and he did this in game action in an AAU tournament, and to my surprise, nobody said anything. <laughs> Like, the representative didn't stop play. Nobody coached said anything. He just bounced the ball, and the kids was like, ooh, ah. But I was like, this is not part of the game. And the fact that no one said anything affirmed the behavior, which bothered me.
1: Well, I think, like I said, I think that he, if that's my son – he better play better defense. I mean, period. Point. Okay, so now, he plays now, better defense now, no, no, and then it. takes it off the head. No, you cool with that? No, let's flip it. Let's flip it, though. I would not want my son bouncing the ball off of somebody's head. Right. Like, so well, we because I think it. you're a reasonable person. Well,
0: I think – well, also, I'm like, I mean, man, bust his ass. Period. Exactly. Like, what are we doing? Like, why are you doing that? Like, that's, you, not, that's, that's not – But that's what goes back to my original question. It's not part of the game, and it wasn't are we losing sportsmanship? Because bouncing the ball off somebody's head is like – something else well correct but I, like I said unless like I, I I've never seen
1: that before I haven't seen that clip so I think that I wouldn't use that as oh are we losing sports or I would I would because there are a lot of isolated things that happen during a game that you can get a clip of and go oh are we losing sports I think that if that that starts to become a little bit of an epidemic then, then maybe. but hopefully
0: well I think the <laughs> I indicator that it is an epidemic is I saw I mean, this, this had to be a 10-and-under league, 10-and-under game, maybe maybe 12. And first of all, the kids are mic'd up. So why are you mic'ing a 10- or 12-year-old for social media? Because I don't want to hear anything that a 12-year-old has to say or 10-year-old has to say ever, let alone in the context of a game. If you're playing a game – Play the game. The second thing is you got somebody who's under five feet telling someone else who's under five feet they're too small. Oh, you're too small, you're too small. And then you had them, that same kid throwing a ball at another player who was down, and then his teammate came and threw the ball at him. It's like it's almost like whoever put the mic on them put the mic on them so that they can present that behavior wide So it could go viral, and it worked. But what does that say about you, sports, and what does that say about the people who we put in charge? Because I think kids. I heard someone say that's like it's cosplay for little kids. There, it's NBA cosplay. They're pretending the little kid he's dressed like John ja Durant, John ja Morant. He he he's he's talking shit like John ja Morant. But some of that, the coaches either curtail or they support. And in this particular situation, if somebody put a mic pack on a kid, they're obviously supporting this behavior. And I think that's like, especially at their age, if you're in high school, that's different. Because now you're, you know who's who, right? You know who the prospect is. You know, so some of that stuff kind of sorts itself out. Like, whoever 10 and under, like, we don't know how that's gonna turn out. Cause that little kid may grow six more inches. And if there's a six, five kid who can do the same thing he can at 5'8, he's no longer a prospect in in exchange to the kid who's six five, right? Right. So teaching him and cultivating that dog, like the isn't what determines whether you a dog or not is your play, not your mouth. Sometimes I think uh, generally that that you can't talk
1: your way into but that kind a scholarship of, yeah but that kind of talk is not cur- not not cultivated by adults that happens on the playground that happens in gyms that happens you know amongst yourselves in your own basically ecosystem it's it's a Lord of the Flies type of atmosphere when you're on the court and generally the kids who show the most, uh, you know, that type of energy, the, the most aggressive energy generally are the ones who make it through. So, and generally kids who cower to that, uh, cause again, it's just going off of what I have seen. Those are the ones who they, they their skill doesn't have an opportunity to flourish because they're folding under that type of pressure. Um, and it's, so it's best to get to be able to, to be able to handle that early as opposed to, you know, uh, Cowering from it or or anything like I think that I think that I think that you got to know. So for instance, so when you're when you're when you're when you're at that level and you're starting to progress, you're starting to go up the ranks. It's not you know it's not as uncommon not uncommon, but it's not as unex- unexpected. um I showed my wife the footage and she was like, you know, we both like that's how it is because that's what we've seen. Yeah. Um. And as they get older, the irony though is. You you see that because they are mimicking what they kind of yeah. what they believe they what they see. believe they see. But you don't see it as much because they start to mature. So you do yeah. see more. You see you see smack talk,
0: but and it starts to sort itself out because here's what I, not to cut you out, but let please, me let me interject yeah. this. If you've ever competed in sports at any like level of real competition, there's nothing anyone's gonna say that intimidates you. What will intimidate you if you're a player is a guy who's better. If a guy's across from you and you can't guard him, it's nothing he can say. It's what he can do. And if he can't do it, he can't talk his way into it. The mental. If aspect, I'm scoring on you, you can't talk. You you're not going to talk me out of my score. It's
1: just very. You don't find like you're not. Most guys ain't going to wait Kawhi Leonard. They wait to the. Like most most players, you don't find that many players that are like that. Most players, particularly at the youth level that are good, they're generally a little bit more demonstrative. They're generally a little bit more animated. Every now and then you'll find a guy who has, you know, some stoic personality. But generally, especially down here and and, and in Chicago, the Mean Streets program up there, those guys are talking. Those guys are letting you know from from the moment they enter the gym who they are, what they're about to do to you, and they let you know that. As they're leaving and
0: conversely speaking, the loser is still talking too. So it's a, but, but I think it's, I think it is hard to explain without the context of the video, but if we're competing and I'm getting at you and you're getting at me and we're talking, that's part of the game. Always has been football too. What I saw in the video, the kid was, they were shooting free throws. They were on the line and the kids, you too small, you too small to (laughs) shoot a free throw. That was awesome. <laughs> that was ridiculous, and I thought that kid was like <laughs> being. Awesome. And I, I, it's hard for me and to he blame was the a kid.
1: kid. So yeah, he, it's had, hard he had that. He had that dog, and was like, "You too small." He, he didn't have a dog the kid in was the was all. The
0: like four two. He was like, "You soft, bro." He's like, "Do something about it." It was like I, I loved all of that. You had one kid who was talking, talking calling them. another kid. You yeah, <laughs> you asked, but then the kids, like, you, they show him shooting a three pointer with terrible form, and I'm thinking to myself. You should be working on the fundamentals of your game instead of talking. You're talking too much, and and and, and you can't, you're not going to talk your way into competitive situations. You can, if you have the game, if you're Kevin Durant, if you're LeBron James, and obviously we're talking at the highest level, you're talking to and you're backing up a certain thing about what your game is. What I saw from these kids, because there was very little highlights of their play. Most of the highlights was of them talking. So you can't talk your way into a good play. Like, I didn't see many good plays from those guys. I saw talking and, I, like, like feeble attempts at intimidating their opponent. And all of it just looked like bad sportsmanship to me. And I blame the coaches and I blamed the handlers. And I thought it was in poor taste. And I don't think that the NBA is full. And major college basketball is not full of that. When you look up and down a roster, I'll close with this, and you can have the last word. You look up and down the roster, there's all types of players that make up a, a college roster and an NBA roster. You have guys that are, are are you know hit the boards and play defense, you know guys that are rim protectors. You have guys that are 3 and D guys. You have guys that are that bring the ball up and are distributors. Not everybody is the lead dog. And I think sometimes in coaching, whether it's youth or whatever, is to be able to sell a team concept and understand that how we win might require people to adjust or change their roles. If everybody's out here just mimicking the lead dog, yes, that'll get you to a place. But I can safely say, just, just looking at numbers, probably none of the kids in that video will end up in the league. Probably, because the, the numbers say so. The, the guys probability, said, the probability yeah. says that. So teaching them how to be like the 1% instead of like the larger... Is I think problematic and can hurt them, in just in general. I just I mean I, you can have the last word.
1: I mean Georgia's the number one state in the in in the in the United States for producing uh, Division One basketball talent per capita per capita. Um, and that's that's just the energy that you see from around the state. Will they be will they will they be pros? Maybe not, but will they? Is the probability higher than any other place in the country that they'll play Division One basketball? Yes, it is, and that's just that's just what the numbers say. Um, if you look up and down, yes, NBA roster. You look at Patrick Beverly. You look at Devin Booker. You look at LeBron James. You, all these guys are smoky guys. All of them. Yeah. Um, and so Trey Young. I mean Steph Curry. You yeah, see all, I mean,
0: all of these guys. You're, like yeah, like are maybe they're right top twenty five guys in a league with fifteen hundred guys, but I mean they're they're right here yeah, with it. I of mean, course. and I think because they have the games to back it up, their games are fully. Evolved. But that didn't just stop.
1: Well, and also, but to your point, I think it. Re- I think it reduces just because they're more mature. They're they're more yeah. they're adults.
0: And you get to a point where you go, yeah, I can't talk to Dev book because. His game is like you can talk, but it's at your own peril <laughs> yeah. because his, because at the end of the day, who was what's going to intimidate him is you just dropping jump what, shots in his chest. Wait a
1: minute. who was that in the uh, playoff game that was talking to Doncic, uh from the from the Suns? Uh, was it was it Booker? and he ended up winning, and the, they won the next two games yeah. and dispatching <laughs> them full. Yeah, like, like, I mean, if you want to do that, yeah. what ultimately will win point, out yeah. is the well, skill set. Well, I mean, yeah, because Donchick went ahead, and, and yeah. uh, but, I mean, Donchick, he he come from over there. Because
0: if it was smoke, if it was just smoke, then Pat Beverly would be a top 10 player. Well,
1: no, but you have to have, but you, I think you have to have that in you in, in order to get there. I just, when you see, to, to, I don't want to get too personal, but I I'll,
0: I'll just say I wish I had a little bit more of that in my
1: camp. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's about the game, and I and I also think about I think people can like I don't confuse competitiveness with talking. You don't have to talk a lot to be competitive. There is a lot of guys that will compete and will go from one end to the other for forty eight minutes that don't have to do a lot of talking. And and then when they do, it doesn't have to be demonstrative, and it doesn't have to be. You know, we hear all these stories right now. Uh, we just two guys that we get these stories about all the time. Is is uh, Larry Bird, and now posthumously is is Kobe, and people say Yo, you know tell these stories, but Larry talks shit. Everybody says he's the biggest shit talker. Dominique Wilkins told me personally and gave me stories for like an hour about like shit that Larry talked, but Larry was never doing this, and like he was never. It was like I'm in your ear. Because you can't stop the things I'm gonna do. My game is better than yours, and I'm gonna get in your ear about it. But it was not this sort of like outward display of me trying to either intimidate you or humiliate you, or re- and I think it's disrespect again. Like, there's ways to talk. Mike would do it, you know, would he get in your ear and be like, "Man, I'm going out." We hear the story. But now? Is, that, is that the adult version
1: of Smack Talk, though?
0: I mean, either, Well, I don't know children. because now we're seeing it. Well, because where do I? The first time I ever saw the. You're too small. <laughs> I was in the NBA, and now I'm yeah, seeing a yeah, yeah, nigga that's yeah. too small. You see, oh, telling is, another is, nigga is, that's too small that ooh, he's rocking the baby.
1: Uh, Westbrook. Yeah,
0: saying that Lillard was too little. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean. So we saw it at the NBA level, and now it's gone down. So, anyways. Um, I'm going to keep an eye but on you. That. Never I, was we a big talk. I remember when we first started playing pickup. He was like, Why are you talking so much, Rob? Yeah, I think it's some Southern. I'm a, I'm a Midwestern guy. I think it's some Southern stuff. Like, I was like, Man, be quiet and I'm guard like, what your what man. We do? You know? <laughs> guard your guy. I'm you eight I mean? in eight But I'm like, going to warm your ass up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, <laughs> sticking with the NBA for a little bit, I wanted to uh, have a, a little bit of an update on the IMA uh, Adoka. I made Odoka. I'm gonna get this man's name right. Is it um, O or you? I don't know. Ooh. I thought you may have figured it out by now. I haven't, you know. I'm anyway, Emmy. The coach, the former coach, suspended coach of the Emmy. Celtics. Uh <laughs> of the Celtics, um, who suspended. There's been a couple of new things that came out since we talked about this, and I just wanted to give our uh our listeners a brief update. Um one of the things that we figured out is that the relationship was with someone who worked for the organization and booked travel. She was the travel and logistics coordinator for the team. And at times, booked Nia Long, his girls, travel. Yes, That's, I mean, I don't even know what part of the game. That is, um, the other thing I found out is that the players found out with the public. They found out when we all found out. There was no sort of sit down with the team, coach is gonna be suspended. Cause guys were, you know, the teams hadn't come together yet. Cause yesterday was uh, media day. This week was media day. So guys were still dispersed. So guys are finding out the way they found out. And then one sort of interesting thing because people are weighing in, you had um, Matt Barnes from the uh, up in, uh, what is it, all the smoke uh, podcast. Uh, Initially he had a response then he came back and sort of retracted his response because through his inside information he got uh additional stuff and stuff that's starting to trickle out um you know some of the stuff that's unsubstantiated so we're not going to get too deep into what we heard what we do know is uh it was someone who worked in travel logistics and had contact with Neil Long's wife I mean with uh with his uh, fiance
1: and was married to a to boss, another executive. To another Boston Celtic yeah. executive who
0: Happened to find out
1: on the on the ring alarm. Yeah. Uh, and we was about to get ring, but now we're not getting that. In fact, <laughs> You're going to try some other security. No, I, I'm going to go home and uninstall the doorbell we got. Yo. <laughs> like, I don't want just go back to the knock. What's that thing you used to bang? The clang, clang, clang. Yeah, the knocker. <laughs> and, that, you know, so what's, what's, what's even more add insult to, I guess, injury, if you will. So this was found out roughly two months ago.
0: Right. Back in the summer.
1: Yeah. And they just continued to let this young lady proceed with the actual permanent uh, uh, transition with Nia Long moving yeah. to actual to, to, to Boston. Yeah. Because they were under investigation. They were under investigation. Yeah. So but they found out. I mean, they found, well, it the, the, was to get the details, but the actual infraction was pretty much uh, the, you know, they at least concluded that now the circumstances around it, you know, obviously required the investigation. But I just think from, from um, Emmy, I'm a, uh, I mean perspective. Like, how do you continue to let this young lady help your fiance when everybody, everybody know, but her? you know, it's a very, it's a you know because everybody was aware that the investig that the investigation was going on. Were so they? A, yeah. Well from I read three articles on it and everybody Were the principals? Yes, the principals. So the, the staffer knew, obviously I may knew so I and okay. the Celtics. Everybody knew that the investigation was on. That part with, I did not know. Yes, and they continued to allow the staffer to help uh Miss Long with her with the with the with the transition.
0: Which was like which is bugging me out. Do which, you think that he thought maybe they would investigate you think he thought he had covered his tracks or something along the line that well I, on some some
1: some level he had to think that this was just going to be handled internally and it wasn't going to come out or he had hoped you know you're just, right. you're just hoping at that point and because why blow up the whole thing if we can just keep this yeah let's just wait till they show that and hands. I think that it was a maybe a possibility maybe it was never a possibility because who blew the whistle was the gum husband, you right. know, because he found out off the ring, the ring, uh, you know, thanks Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess. I think it's Nas in that too. I think Nas. Nas. Is in uh, yeah. Nas, well, I think Nas was Uber. Was he ring too? I think Nas. Hey, them right. boys made some really timely key. Who they got advising them? They, they in the right, they, they in the they right got room. The right, but, they in the right rooms. But yeah, so I, uh, it's and you know so when, when Matt Barnes was saying he you know when he brought up his uh when he posted his retraction, he said that it's a lot messier than he ever could have thought. Yeah. So that's just the little bit that we know. So the fact that you know, um, I guess you know what he got was probably obviously the the gory details. Right. Um, which I don't even want to know. I just wanted to just be next season
0: for for Jaime. For yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think he getting that job back.
1: Me neither. Yeah. Because, and I thought about I mean, that. I mean, now, he made No, you brought that up on our fan base call, which yeah. will happen Friday at 9 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, But you brought that up on the call. And I never considered that they wouldn't bring him back. But I don't know how you can. Yeah. Because it's, it's it, egregious. Well, is the executive still there? Is the wife still there? Do they move on? How do you bring him back? Because somebody got to leave.
0: Yeah. Because it looks, the optics are
1: terrible if you bring him back. So, yeah, I mean, that was a – I mean, I just – I had never – but that's why, you know, you get paid because you thinking ahead. I was like, man, this messed up. You were like, I don't know if they bring
0: him back. I was like, huh, why not? Yeah, yeah I know. mean, depending on what comes out, I don't even know if he coaches again. Um, again? Yeah. Like in the league? Yeah. <laughs> because think about it like this. Think about it like this. If we find out that any of it was uh, – any part of it, like when they say it's more messy, right – Yes. If any part of that is unwanted or unwarranted oh. advances, no team is touching him in the Me Too. Yeah, if it's
1: any We're in the unwanted, Me Too woman. And they said yeah. like
0: in a, a couple days ago that he made some
1: comments that weren't wanted.
0: Yeah. Or so, unwanted. So like, yeah, like depending on what comes out and what the investigation shows, like he's literally jeopardized his career. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Brett Favre. You know, in Twitter world and, and places where people discuss things and ideas, there's a prevailing thought that there's a major scandal going on in the fine state of Mississippi, and I say that um, facetiously, In that ESPN, who is the worldwide leader, and I, I, I'm comfortable calling them out on this, is not covering this story with any sense of urgency, if at all, when you consider who's involved, the amount of money, and how far it goes up in the state government. And unless you've been under a rock, let me briefly um, go back and and bring you up. There is an investigation and a lawsuit put up by the state of Mississippi against Uh, A collection of individuals, including Brett Favre, for misappropriating funds that were allocated to their welfare system. Favre was using his influence as a major player in the state of Mississippi to influence government officials to build new uh, facilities at the University of Southern Mississippi, where he went And where his daughter was going to go to play volleyball, and his nephew Dylan, and his nephew Dylan, and I don't think Dylan was playing volleyball, but he's there. The family's there. They got a legacy at that university, and so he wanted his daughter, like all of us would, to be able to play in a (laughs) first-rate facility. So instead of raising money or doing what people do, he called his or making a donation, or making a donation, yeah, (laughs) ten million. He went to. Um, you know, the former governor, Phil Bryant, he was the current at the uh, time current at the time, former now, uh, Phil Bryant said, Hey, let's get some, like, let's get some dollars, uh, put forward and started to do that. What's coming out now is that he wasn't sort of innocently asking that he was aware of when the heat started to come, that it was problematic and that we should pull up and he continued to push forward. So, He's not going to be able to um, claim uh, ignorance on this. No. Brett Favre's
1: in trouble. He won't be able to claim negligence, um, you know, basically due to the old text messages. Yeah. But you know, this is this, this is this story is so layered, but it's one that's familiar with, you know, uh, the uh, the establishment in this country and the have nots basically uh, using their uh, systemic advantages, if you will, to uh, create. Uh, opportunities and advantages and wealth and all the things that, you know, they enjoy is basically the have and have nots and the have nots, their political voice basically is what it boils down Their political and their economic voice is so small that they generally depend on meaning the haves depend on, you know, the fact that they don't have those things, you know, they don't have that they won't be able to raise enough awareness to uh, create um to bring attention to the injustice yeah um what's interesting about this is i was thinking i was like five million for a volleyball they can't just use the gym like i was in my mind i i like five million like everywhere i went you just roll a volleyball net out there and you know put some extra seating and then that's the court i didn't yeah. know they had volleyball mm-hmm. courts yeah five, the bigger programs do. five million mm-hmm. there must be a hell of five program yeah um but this is, so we talked about this again on uh, fan base on Friday at 9 30. And um, I was, you know, I'd said that this probably won't rise to the level that it actually should. Um, doing a little bit more research, uh, you know, the new governor, uh, Tate Reeves, has since Good old uh, Tate. fired the uh, attorney that they brought in to do the investigation yeah. without cause. And had him before that remove the subpoena for Southern Miss and the communications for the, uh, uh, the Southern Miss foundation, which is where the money was routed to via a lease. Um, the $5 million uh, had had him remove that uh, from the, uh, from the investigation because the people in the foundation were Tate, are mostly Tate Reeves supporters. So, the communication of you know the the records have been, the, the case is being still brought forward. Yeah, but that part has been removed. So now there's been there's now scuttlebutt saying that Tate needs to be involved in the uh, investigation. The new governor, so yeah. the other governor gone. Yeah, and good old Tate. <laughs> and now Tate Reeves, uh, Phil Bryan was the original governor. Yeah. So this is. This is uh, and Miss, he,
0: Mississippi man. is going to Mississippi.
1: Man, Mississippi. And it, you know, so the, the and I was thinking, Favre got the you know got eight million bucks, right? He got five. They say it might be more you know, when I, it's all said. it was done. more, but yeah. five million for the uh, f- for the facility, two million for a biotech mm-hmm. uh, company, and then a million that he was going to have basically or did have routed to him in the form of appearance fees, no show appearance fees that he uh, was supposed to route to Southern Mississippi. This is. And so then you, you think about, okay, so Phil Bryant had the irony in this whole thing, had the guy that was in charge of the temporary assistance fund, um, fired for fraud, right? Fired him for fraud Phil Bryant put in his person, Nancy, uh, uh, Nancy New who, uh, just pleaded guilty to the biggest fraud scandal, which is this was involved in the business, bu- the biggest public fraud scandal in the history of Mississippi. Seventy-seven million dollars. This woman was in charge of public funds out of the purview of uh, of of the Public Watch. She was in charge of twenty-four million in the form of a grant, of which the eight million
0: came to, uh, which is the eight million was came from, from that. Yeah. It, this is a. Uh... It this is particularly sad because I believe, and I might have my stats a little bit wrong. But I believe Mississippi is the poorest state in the union, or one, like in the bottom. Five. I thought eight million would be able to cure their uh, hunger situation forever. Yeah, I mean this you know, is already means? a poor state. They got like four million, four three million people there, and they were drawing the money from the poorest people in the poorest state. Um, and we wonder why. You know, we talk about schools, and we talk. You know, when people talk about systemic racism, this is. This is how it happens. And when you have corrupt people running it and you have guys that are uh, entitled, because that's some real entitlement. Like, look, everyone knows I'll do anything for my kids, and I've made I'll make calls. I make calls for other people's kids. You know, I like we when you get, when you get influence, you use it. But you have to use it in the context of understanding that it can't be at the expense of others. And once he realized or was told, like, yo, we might need to pull up and you keep going, to me now it's all bets are off. And I heard someone say this. I saw it on Twitter, and it said something to the effect of we heard more about Jameis Winston stealing crab legs than we've heard about (laughs) Brett Favre stealing $8 million from the poorest people in the poorest state. And the i not not the irony, but you think about this is
1: a man who made one hundred and forty million dollars just in contract money. Yeah, I was gonna say just football stuff. Just football money. Just just football money. And, and you are stealing from poor people. You Made one hundred and forty million dollars. We're not talking about any of the the, the copper, whatever that yeah, thing is. The copper sock or the Wrangler jeans, Wrangler jeans, the, the trucks, F one
0: fifty or whatever, all, whatever he whatever does. You're doing, Dodge,
1: tough. You, you know, and so they, 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 there, there was a, um, the, he is affiliated, his um, uh, foundation is affiliated with another one that's called a Hope Haven. Hope Haven uh, helps sexually abused children. So they talked to Hope Haven, the director from Hope Haven, and he said that, well, you know, they normally give us $10,000 a year uh, and we really depend on that money to help us with these victims. So we still hope to be able to get that money uh from the Far Foundation again this year. It it really gives you an idea of how ridiculous farv is. He's stealing millions for a volleyball court. But is giving only $10,000 to real victims. Yeah. To real, he's putting together plays for a volleyball court for his daughter. He's putting together yeah. major jugs yeah. for, for that. But w- you're giving away how much? You, you're donating how much to real victims? It's, it's, it is really, it, it you know, it really just, t- it, it takes you, it, you know, it makes you uh, pause for a second and go, man, what, what world are these people living in? Like, how do you resolve that? Like, at least you can go, okay, he give me a hundred, ten
0: thousand dollars, Brett. Yeah, there's a lot of people right now that are that are really quiet about something they should be speaking out for, out on. And I think, to me, this is not an issue of politics, but let's call a spade a spade. This is a ruby red state. This is ruby red governing, and they're the last in always, education. Yeah, they're, they're last like, in education, but not where their kids go to school but in Jackson where there's no where the water's brown and it's a bunch of bullshit going on there and not enough people are talking about this the way people weren't talking about the water in Flint and the problems we just turn ourselves away and I don't think we should turn ourselves away here at Lines Matter we're going to keep an eye on this story we're going to give you updates um like Rob alluded to, we're going to actually devote our entire conversation uh, Friday in the audio room at on Fanbase to this uh, subject. So, if you want to delve deeper into this subject with us, we're going to be on the Fanbase app Friday at nine thirty a.m. discussing the Brett Favre situation more in depth.
1: Tough man, Brad. Yeah. Brad Pigott the uh, attorney, said that um people that got fired said that people are going to go to jail behind this.
0: Well, there's people already pleading guilty and, you know, but the question just becomes, you know, I heard Shannon Sharp say, he said when black and brown people defraud the government on an EBT car for three or four hundred dollars, they're they're prosecuting people to the full extent of the law when people are defrauding it to eat and to put food on their tables. And this is. When you talk about volleyball courts and all that kind of stuff and $8 million and maybe more and corruption that goes all the way up to the governor's, two governor's mansions or two governor's houses. It's ridiculous and it pisses me off. Anyway, let's discuss a little bit of football before we get out of here because we got to discuss football. Um, Before we get into it, again, I invite you to join us Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central uh, for our Fantasy Football Weekly Show presented by SLM, uh, where we'll be breaking down some of these games uh, from a uh, fantasy perspective. So you'll get a little bit more in-depth fantasy discuss, uh, discussion at that time, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Uh we'll be breaking it down. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit, like, because the season... We're, we're three games in. We're about to play our fourth game. We're starting to get a little bit of a read on some of the teams, but there's been some surprises, and there's been some teams that are disappointed. What's your early take in terms of surprises, disappointments, based on what you thought coming in? Uh, I th- well, for me, the biggest
1: the biggest surprise, hands down for me, is the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're number one in point differential, uh, just coming off a big road win. I understand that the Chargers are battling a lot of injuries, but you, you wouldn't have at least coming into the season necessarily foresaw the uh the them being number one in point differential. Right. Um now a lot of that obviously has to do with the game they played a week ago against the Colts and they didn't score any points, but they still held uh, Justin Herbert and Eckler and uh, Marvin Williams Marvin Mike Williams yeah. to ten points. Yeah. Um and Which so, something
0: nobody's really done.
1: On the road. Yeah. Um so that will probably be uh, one of the biggest surprises, um, maybe the second. This man, oh, maybe this one should should have been first. But the way that Geno Smith has uh, been playing has been mm-hmm. a big surprise. Um, I watched that game uh, first time i probably watched a Falcon game from beginning to end because I had fantasy implications. But uh, that's neither here nor there. And watching Geno Smith deliver the ball, he made a crucial uh, turnover uh, to to actually seal mm-hmm. the win for the uh, for the Falcons. But I think I mean Geno's looking like who the Jets drafted him to be. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah, I, so so that was that's probably my, my two biggest surprises. Um and my my disappointment is <laughs> And I said it. I said it on a quicker. Is the fact that Lamar's contract is just another week, another show of pure, awesome concentrate. Yeah. Another hundred yards rushing. Yeah. You know, another was it three, four touchdowns yeah.
0: passing. Like y- y'all realize the price is going up. Well, you you know he. But he, in fairness to the, to them, because if if I'm. The team, I'm just calling him up going, whatever you want, Correct we'll give you. But he said, I'm not negotiating during the year. Right.
1: But you know you can go in there and just slap down a fully guaranteed deal and just whatever Deshaun got,
0: beat that by like a few million. Yeah. And it's over with. He Like, I would just go slap it down. And, and this is not me. I don't have the stats up. But he leads in touchdown passes, quarterback rating, I believe yards. And he's fourth in rushing. I did not know not, he was fourth in rushing. Not up on quarterback. Yeah, you drive the you He's drive fourth that in rushing
1: with flowers with everybody and an sorry apology yeah. letter on there and be like that. That was totally awful. Have Ozzie do it.
0: Yeah. Ozzie knew nah, that Ray it, Lewis. Yeah, and they not even <laughs> part of it. Um, for me, you um, J. Bill was one of my surprises. Uh, the Dolphins. I, I, I'm not going to say they were my surprise because I, I felt like this team had been turning the corner even under Brian Flores. I think what surprised me about the Dolphins is how quickly they've adjusted to the offensive system and how explosive they become early. I figured they would get there at some point. I didn't think we'd see it in week two, in week three.
1: Well, with- in week three, I mean, they got – they were out ganged, out first. Down, yeah, out I mean they had time possession, they lost. They just that was a fluky win for them. You think uh, it was fluky? I actually think they I I think mean because they, you got outplayed in basically every see, facet of the game. See, I don't think
0: for the one that you counted watch the, the most. I watched most of it. Yeah. I watched the game. I don't think they got outplayed at all. I think they frustrated the hell out of Josh Allen. You know, he threw sixty-three passes to get his four hundred yards. I mean, they were—that's a
1: lot of passes.
0: It's a lot of passes, and, not, and nine times out of ten, if you throw the ball sixty-three times, you're not gonna win. But you think with that
1: many injuries they had coming in, St- uh, Stefan Diggs left the game uh, due to cramps. Yeah, but he played. He played the majority. You know, they caught. I think they caught them also. You know, at a, I mean, you coming down to Miami and with that weather, I think they. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I. Okay. Well, I'll here's, what I here's what I say. Because I didn't see last week coming at all. Well, here's what I say. And Jalen Waddle still had an, another hundred yards. Yes. this past week.
0: Defe- they were missing all sorts of guys defensively. Offense was intact. I think they frustrated Josh the whole game. Well, and then you think think about this. Like,
1: you know, they, how long has that coach been there? Four or five years, and McDermott. Yeah, and they still don't have a running game no at all i don't think they want one that's they well they got josh but we know and we see like like to me the bills seem like a they're a front running team if they can get you out of there yeah. in two three sets to use a tennis analogy but if you can drag them into a fifth set yeah. like the Chiefs did, you know, obviously like uh, the Dolphins did, without a running game to yeah. salt the game. And your running game cannot be your quarterback. You saw what happened yeah. to Cam. You see what happened to these, you know, these running back, I'm sorry, these quarterbacks who run. When they get deeper into the season, a lot of times they're beat up, they're nicked up in ways that you know, don't allow them to perform like they did earlier in the season. Even yeah. even look at the way that, just, uh, that uh, Jalen Hurts is performing. He started off last year the same exact way. Yeah. Now, he making a lot more throws from the pocket than he did last year. You're him some tight windows, yeah. so hopefully that will allow him to perform at this level for deeper into the season. Yeah, you have to preserve yourself, and I mean, but you, man, call me, no you call me. Games,
0: yeah, you man. called me over the uh, weekend, and you were like, you know, uh, Kyler Murray's not running enough. But I think to your point, if you want to play seventeen games, especially because he's slight, you can't you can't just be out here reckless. And I said that about Josh, like Josh, because he's big. You can't have no rushing yards, man. Huh? And that's what you do. Well, but but yeah, no. but, but to your point. Their only chance of sustained success is him being on the field, and he's got to protect himself. Um, so maybe the game plan was like not to run as much. But I think like Josh better be careful. Like and go talk to Cam. Well, and and then the style, okay, because that, that's that's because he's dropping his shoulder on yes, guys that, <laughs> yes. like Cam was. Like you gotta
1: get out of bounds. You gotta slide. I saw Kyler against. The, what did when they play this past weekend? It uh, wasn't the Raiders. It was. Uh, oh, it was uh, the Rams. Yeah, and. The first down was right there. And he slid like seven yards Yes. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't get the, the first down. But to your point, yeah. I mean, he's just like of harm's way. Self-preserv.
0: I'm trying to enjoy all this money. Yeah. <laughs> no, for real. And I'm trying to stay out here. It's a long season. I, interesting because I have the same team on surprises and disappointment. Um, the Chicago Bears. I they're surprising in the sense that if you open a season with 49ers, Green Bay, sandwiched with the Texans, you think maybe one and two or oh possibly oh and three. We're two and one um coming out of those three. So surprising that we've done that. Disappointing in the sense that Justin Fields has been awful and he's been regressing. And obviously if you watch football you know that new system and It's very similar. The struggles that he's having are very similar to what Russ is having in Denver. And they run basically the same system. Both of those guys, we have the quarterback coach from Green Bay. They have the offensive coordinator from Green Bay. So they're running yeah, Hackett and Luke Getze in Chicago, who is a quarterback coach up there. And they're running effectively the same system. And if you remember, even when they got in there to Green Bay, Rodgers was frustrated because you're not allowed to get in and out of plays. Not allowed a lot of checks. It was like run what we send in, and it's a structured offense.
1: Yeah, Rodgers 26 touchdowns that first
0: year. With yeah, hack it, and, and this is
1: like his lowest.
0: Yes, it's and like, this is Rodgers. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so these other guys who are used to, are probably at their best. Both Russ and feels playing off schedule, playing a little bit of a but that's what Russ did
1: that last drive. Right. I'm doing this. I'm gotta I gotta do what I gotta yeah. do. I'm
0: doing my Russ thing right
1: now. We right. gotta win. As but, opposed to the first game. Yes. Right? Where he didn't do a lot of Russ stuff and right.
0: then he came for the 60, 70 yard field goal and you yeah. lose. And then right. And so you're seeing the similar type of struggles and like the timing and the whole nine. And I'm I'm just incredibly disappointed because I think it's exposing um It's exposing fields to pressure, outside pressure, that I don't think is going to help them. And I'm frustrated because I wanted – I'd rather be – and this might be – this might sound crazy. We're not a threat to win the Super Bowl. We're not even really a threat to go to the playoffs. What's way more important to me as a Bears fan is to see two things, change in culture and improvement at the quarterback position. I don't want to win eight or nine games, just miss the playoffs, and my quarterback, I still have questions about whether or not he's – I'd rather go 3 and 14 and know that, damn, he kept us in games. You know, the culture's changed. Those are only two things I'm watching for this year. And a lot of the knocks on him coming out of college are really exposed in this offense. He's not throwing guys open. He's not – it's like you got to read and you got to throw in. And coming from college, and you brought this up a lot, you know, if he saw the throw, he could hit it. You know, he could spin it with his, with anybody.
1: The windows were wide. When
0: the windows are wide. And, and so if you're going to play with wide open windows, you need to have that, like what Lamar gets, what Jalen gets. They have systems that help to create that from a scheming standpoint. If you're just asking him to stand in a pocket and then see the field and take a check down – this is over. Like I said, he's play, like I got told somebody the other day. He's playing more like W. C. Fields yeah. than Justin Fields. <laughs> I thought I, th- I mean, but we talked about
1: this when the Bears hired uh, this is the defensive coordinator from the Colts. You know, um, Eber, Matt Iberflus. Iberflus. Yeah, I I didn't understand the hire, particularly again when you have Eric Bieniemy out there, a guy who had this this specific style of quarterback and was able to help get him to a MVP Super Bowl. And has had him playing or been a part of the culture and been a part of the play calling and development of a yeah. guy like that. And you bring in, and so you got this guy Fields who has who didn't have the 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 first year, the numbers that that you would have wanted. So the second year, you go, okay, you got an opportunity to bring in uh, an offensive minded coach, somebody that has been down this role before with a new uh, with a new quarterback. And I would just would have thought that they would have brought someone else in. Who had dealt with this type of athlete before at this at this specific position? So, you know, as much as I didn't like Fields coming out of uh, Ohio State, you know, I still I want to see him win. And I thought yeah. that you guys had an opportunity to just like I mean, I wanted I wanted and that's no secret I want to be enemy for the Falcons. That's why I jumped out the window on them. Well, it was they had an opportunity to bring me back. I was already out. But the point that I'm making is that you know you you want to a lot of times like you were saying it's the culture. And the coaching, all particularly when you have a new quarterback. Okay, so if you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he may not like what you got going on. Yeah. He may not like. He's, I'm so good that I can still be pro- productive. I can turn it. I could turn yeah. out a a, a a ten win season. Yeah, you know, sleepwalking. Right. But when you have a young athlete like Fields or a young athlete, a young quarterback, um, I think that it's 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 ultra important to be able to. To surround
0: him with uh, the leadership that he needs to uh, to be successful. I would. I, here's what I here's where I am on Ibraflus. I like I like Iberflus. Um, because of the culture change. Um, we traded away most of our talent. You know, when you get or we've released them or whatever. Allen Robinson was probably the best wide receiver. Khalil Mack was the best defensive player. They're no longer on the team. Um. But I feel like we play cleaner football, we less mistakes, guys play hard. And it's the reason we're two and one. I like the culture element of it. Um, but to your point, I don't think they have the investment in fields because they didn't draft him. And and so they're going, This is the system we want to run. And if you can't run it, we'll find someone who will. I think that's the play that they're making as opposed to what, what you have with Lamar, what you have with Jalen Hurts, what you have with Burrow, what you have with um, Herbert, where they're going, we're going to create the system that best takes advantage of what you're doing. It's like, here's the thing where where Fields flashed last year. Great deep ball thrower, extremely accurate down the field. Where he gets into trouble Is sort of the quick reads, having to throw guys open, like, underneath. And he just has problems with it. This system plays mostly sideways and not vertical. He's a vertical quarterback. Play action, get the ball down the field. We did it a few times last year, and it worked. Um, One of the things that I like uh, is pro football focus has us as the second – rated, run, Mm O-line. And it's mostly with young players. We got a fifth-round rookie playing left tackle. We have uh, undrafted free agent, third-year undrafted free agent playing center. We have a second-year fifth-round pick playing right tackle. And we have a a second-year guard on the right. And they're running the ball really, really well. Pass blocking, not so much, but I will say this, in fairness to the line, Fields is holding the ball. He's holding the ball. Mm-hmm. Like there's times when you go back, it's like the way the system works is you drop back, you drop back, you hit that back foot, ball gotta come out. Anticipate. And he's trying to see it, then throw it. And then throw it. And most times it's not there. And and then they're they're they figured out how to rush him to kill that run, so to kill him from running. So all that to say, the Bears are both on my surprise and my disappointment, but that's mostly about Justin Fields. Just, Justin Fields is disappointing me. Um, the only other team I had on there that's disappointing, I do want to point out the Chargers, because I think the Chargers get a lot of love because of Herbert and the way he plays, but they don't win. <laughs> no. They never win. No, they and they used to blame that shit on Anthony Lynn. They, they never did. won no more... <laughs> then they did no they won less. They be losing. They, be losing. <laughs> they do. dude. One and two. <laughs> they do. They do. So everybody's enamored with the quarterback play and I guess at some point it will win them some games. Not yet. Yeah, they'll win this coming up week, I think. Uh they play the uh the Texans, so they they should
1: get a win there.
0: Yeah. But, but you uh, thought but, them but had Jacksonville. Point. Yes. <laughs> hey, Jacksonville got that stick. Yeah, no, Jacksonville's on my list of surprises too. And um Laws, Trevor, Trevor um, oh, Trevor Law. lawrence yeah, yeah. is playing like the draft pick that yeah, we thought T. he would Law be. and 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 to their you know to their uh, credit they
1: surrounded him with with weapons now you know yeah, he's brought got in kirk and yeah. kirk is delivering he's catching balls and uh you know they got this one two punch really more of a one punch with uh with um with James Robinson, Robinson.
0: With Robinson. Well, that's one of the things I just want to speak on that real quick one of the things that I love about sports is that and we talked earlier in the show. We opened the show talking about competition. James Robinson, I believe, was a seventh round or undrafted free agent. Travis Etienne was a first round, maybe second round pick. It's his teammate on the center. Yeah. <laughs> and they got him because of that familiarity. He was a big time recruit, all of that. And James Robinson could have did the thing that some athletes do, man, is man, he ain't gonna let him. Play. Send me the field. They, yeah, this, you know send me up to But you know what? He came back from an Achilles. I think it was an Achilles or A C L. Some some very Terrible. And he came back and he competed and he is literally put and he's breaking the the long runs. Yes. He's
1: breaking the 30 plus yard runs.
0: And you know what he's doing? He's keeping his competition on the bench. And that's what it's about sometimes when you gotta take somebody's position or you gotta compete. If coaches wanna win and they wanna put the best players out. Now, if it's equal, they're gonna put the guy on the field with the higher, with the more draft equity. You know, the more, you know, the more draft. The higher draft. Well, oh, that's what ownership wants to see. Because that's what yeah, yeah. I mean, but James Robinson kept it, and they ain't even splitting carries. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's over with. The only thing is, like, they're giving him a breather, and then Etienne came, comes in. That's it. And 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 <coughs> and they're and they're
1: reaping the benefits in the form of not only rushing production but W's. Yep. Which
0: is which is going to keep it the same until yeah. he if he lets he get hurt again. I love that. I really love that. Shout out to James Robinson for being a competitor. And being one of those guys, and it's one of those examples that they can't count you out. You know, don't let an injury count you out. Don't let where you were drafted count you out. Don't let how many stars you had coming out of high school count you out. Just play your game. Play ball. You know what I mean? And you do what you got to do. And if you hard and you believe you hard, it ain't about the talking. It ain't about the jaw jacking. It ain't about who's too small. None of that. Play ball and you'll get there. And I think he he's an example of what it means to compete. Um uh, like I said, we got the fantasy game, the fantasy show coming tomorrow night or coming Wednesday night, uh, nine o'clock Eastern, and then we have the fan base uh, show Friday morning nine thirty on the fan base app. Download the fan base app, come in to Stat Lines Matter presents, and you can come in and hear all the conversation that we have uh, every Friday, but this Friday particularly about the Brett Favre situation.
1: We going we gonna get his ass. Yay,
0: hey, we we gonna be. Listen. Well, we gonna skin you. We, just like you try to skin us. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> on behalf of my partner here, Rob Hunter Jr., I am Mark Stewart. This is StatLine's back. Bad boy. I ain't come for games. Say it to my face. Say it to my. Say it to my face. I ain't come for games. Say it to my face. Say it to my, say it to my face.